When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on wearing white to weddings, expensive bachelorette parties, verifying vaccine information for events, and people going through your things when they visit your home. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about your boss following you on Instagram. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on etiquette and ethics. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey, cuz. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> oh, you know, just creating awkward moments in the neighborhood lately. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? Do tell. You know how, um, like, you often, uh, or I shouldn't say often, but on occasion, you've referred to me as a sweet heart, <laughs> yeah. um, a, a person of a kind heart, and I've always really appreciated that. Sometimes other people think that's really awkward. <laughs> so This sounds really good. <laughs> it's been raining a lot here, and it just, like, I know I get caught without an umbrella often, I kind of don't care. I'm I'm a fan of the rain. But very kindly, my brother-in-law has recently trimmed some of the boughs that have overgrown in front of my my front window. And having done so, I can see the the street. I can see the sidewalk so much better. And it was like it was raining, not downpouring, okay? Not downpouring, but it was raining and I see this woman walk by and She's in, you know, nice little flat shoes and a, a a cute floral skirt and a nice button-down shirt. And she had a very nice handbag. By the, that's just not a scene you typically see in my neighborhood. And mm-hmm. it, it's like people are in their casual. They're in, like, workout clothes and jeans. Like Going woman, for a run, working yeah, on the yard. Yeah, no, like, she looked nice and, like, she was trying to get somewhere. And it's raining and she has nothing, nothing. She's, you know, can't cover her head with anything, nothing. And she wasn't even wearing like a rain jacket. And I was like, in my moment of probably loneliness, I was sitting there and going, I've got like 10 of those little travel umbrellas. You know, the the the, the, the little ones that can almost like fit in a purse or bag or something like that. Okay, not only do I know, but I have a stack of them because it seems like every time we go to New York, it rains and I buy a new one for $5 when I'm running around and bring it totally. home. And now they're all stacked up in the garage. No, ex- exactly. I try to stash them in the car, my bags. Like I know. Everything. I, got, yes, and I, I still try to keep have, one in each like, trunk. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I still have a bunch of them. So I'm like. 
forget it. I'm like, just get, 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 go, go run after this woman and give her an umbrella. And sure enough, I did. And she looked at me like I was nuts. Like she just, she totally refused my umbrella was like, I mean, we she kept wouldn't our, take it. Yeah, no, she, we kept our six foot difference. And I was like, excuse me, excuse me. And I didn't say, excuse me, ma'am or miss. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I was pretty sure this was a woman, but I didn't want to assume. I just said like, excuse me, excuse me. I was like, I have like 10 of these at home. I saw you walking by dressed nice. I figured you might want it. I don't need it back. She was like, no, 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 thank you. That's silly. That's ridiculous. No, 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 no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm f-. And like, she doesn't even stop to talk to me. She's like bolting the other direction. Good deeds. I, it, like, just, just sometimes they just don't, it just doesn't land. And I know we've had listeners say, I write thank you notes and people think I'm silly or, you know, I'm too old fashioned or something. And, I, I have those moments too, dear listener friends. I have those moments too. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I, and and I've, I've got this image in my head now of this person walking away and you standing there in the rain holding an umbrella. And yes. I've, I'm really hoping that you opened it up and put it over yourself to walk no. back inside. <laughs> of course I didn't. <laughs> but I did feel really, really, really stupid. And I had to I had to work through that for a moment. I was like, wow, am I just like really out of touch as the pandemic and like the, the isolation? like put me in this place where like i don't understand how to interact with people anymore i've I've had my moment guys i've had my moments well i I, i'm glad you shared it and i'm also glad you tried i you know really you don't think it was weird or scary i mean if someone was chasing me down i might be a little like ah you know it might have caught her off guard and (laughs) oh i think it did (laughs) you know maybe you know five steps down the sidewalk she's thinking to herself that was a really nice offer I you hope know, so. You never know. And, and maybe I, I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't quite bring myself to, to accept the help. And I am um, in that category that often finds it difficult to accept help. Yeah, no, this is you. <laughs> and that doesn't, oftentimes that doesn't mean I didn't appreciate the offer. Yeah. And so who knows? Maybe, maybe we can take that with us. <laughs> That's the sunny side of the street. I had a parallel. I was handing out umbrellas at a mm. like a uh, it was like an outdoor walk for kids that's organized okay. by a community group here in Duxbury, and I, I showed up in the morning and you meet the other parents and then you hike around and you know look at the old Civilian Conservation Corps camp up by the dam at the reservoir. That was our activity that day. Cool. And it was a rainy day and we were going to be walking around in the woods on these little trails. And I had several of those umbrellas you described in the trunk of my car. And I was just distributing them to the other parents. And I was like Santa Claus. People were just <laughs> delighted. But where where we ran into the etiquette hiccup was um, towards the end of the walk, Anisha's patience was running out and it was wet and rainy and kind of cold. So we ended up sort of towards the end of the activity being in that first wave that got to their cars and left. Mm-hmm. And I was contacted by these parents wanting to return the umbrellas. And I was found myself in that delightful position of saying, just hang on to that. You know, if, <laughs> if you don't need it, keep it in your trunk and give it to someone else. <laughs> totally, totally. Also, so nice to, to to have that feeling of being like, ah, don't worry about it. On you know, on the flip side, sometimes when you lend things out, it's like it's it's it, you're really like, well, I was happy to lend it, but I also really need it back. Um, but good on those parents to to at least make the offer. I feel like there's a little like it's not host guest dance, but there's a little guest, you know like person person dance going on there. Like, <laughs> sure. 
And I mean, I don't also want to pass off old junk onto people either. True. <laughs> I think someone should be comfortable saying, no, that's quite all right. Or um, I'm really not going to keep this if you want it back. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, let's keep reusing it. Let's keep passing it along. <laughs> totally. Lizzie Post, I don't want to leave this intro without saying, take heart. I have a feeling <laughs> that um, that little moment wasn't quite as awkward as maybe it felt on your side of things. Okay. Well, I, I will trust that. Do you think we should get to some questions and, and help some other people hopefully get through some awkward moments? Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom, and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is about white at a wedding. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I would love to hear your thoughts on wedding guest attire that contains white or light pastels. For example, a dress with a floral print on a white background. More of a cocktail style that would not be mistaken for a bridal gown. Can guests feel confident about wearing dresses that contain large amounts of white or a light color? Or what advice would you give on this topic? Thank you. Anonymous. Anonymous, it's a great question. I think the dress you described would be fine. 
And and I think that for a lot of people, as long as it's in the cocktail range and isn't just white, that they feel it's it's safe enough to go for that, that it won't have any kind of competition or distraction from the bride, if there's a bride at the wedding. And I do think that it's slightly dicey territory, that you may want to think about this person uh, getting married and what you know of them. You know, you apply that old platinum rule. Um, because you, you don't want to step on any toes. I will say though, that the, the type of dress you're describing where it's a cocktail dress, it has a white background and some kind of a floral print on it. There really shouldn't be any problem with that. I have a harder time, Dan, and I've seen this many times where either a very young person wears a white dress to a wedding, even though it's short, but it is all white. And I, I, for me, that felt like, I mean, Granted, I'm totally admitting to a moment of judgment on a total stranger at, like in our podcast, but but I've That's had okay, that, okay, okay. Okay, I've had Absolution that moment. Absolution is granted. Yeah, thanks. I have that mo- I've had that moment where I've been sitting at the church and I see people walk in and I think, "Ooh, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have let my kid wear that to a wedding." But it was a white dress that was, you know, cocktail length but it did not have flowers or anything on it. Any form of pastel I think is fine, especially if it's it's really leaning more towards the color and less towards the white. But the one that gets me and that I still see really frequently are like beige dresses. And I don't know why, but for some reason, some shades of beige can be so close to white that they can really look more like cream. And it like that, I think it's a solid, solid dress. It might be cocktail style, but without anything breaking it up and it being just an off-white color, it feels a little much. I don't get that same feeling, though, when I see a very pale lavender dress or a very pale sky blue dress. You know what I mean? So it's this is like super, super subjective question. I'm I'm rambling like crazy on it. Dan, what do you what do you think? <laughs> I don't think you are. I think that you're you're um you're getting down into some details that I'm appreciating hearing. And as soon as you mentioned a beige dress, I started to picture that the the bridal gowns that are like sort of a satiny champagne color, color. That, that, yeah. that, that is is an off-white. And I started to say to myself, you know, that's an actually a really good tip on something that might really violate the um the spirit of the the etiquette guideline which is that you don't distract from the 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 bride or with your attire you don't distract from the couple and yeah. if you're talking about dresses oftentimes that's the bride um and and then that can come with just confusion you look too much like them it can unbalance photos oh, if yeah. someone is centered in pictures and all of a sudden there's you know someone a tear off who looks like the centered figure somehow Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that detail and it got me thinking also about the pastels that um, more and more weddings that I personally attend have colored themes. Oh, so really? thinking about the bridal, the bridal party or the what, what the wedding colors are um, is it, it, just a, a consideration that adds another layer to think about in terms of whether or not you would compete with or distract from most importantly the couple or maybe even more generally the bridal party. So wait, do you mean you're being invited to weddings where they suggest like, we would love for our guests to dress in blue and yellow, the colors of our wedding or something like that? Do they say that? I haven't seen a suggestion like that. But okay. um, for example, Pooja in my wedding was a like an orange and fuchsia yes. <laughs> color palette. And a lot of the, 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 the decisions about what we were wearing were 
factored into that. <laughs> and um, I could see a wedding that was sort of a, a purple or a lavendery where that lavender dress that you describe might fit perfectly or might be more competitive. And it just might be something to think about as we get down you're, into the so, details of so this question. So you're saying like, you're, you're, you don't mean when people are asking you to wear a specific color to a wedding. No. You mean more paying attention to the colors of the wedding and, yes. and kind of avoiding those uh, for the most part so that you're or, not Or playing intelligently with them. Yep. Maybe? No, that's true, too. That's true, too. There are, I know there are some folks who have found it helpful when someone lists the um, – what the attendants are wearing, what colors the attendants are wearing so that they don't, Mm -hmm. so guests don't show up, but it doesn't, it doesn't serve etiquette well to say the bridal party is wearing, you know, blush and gray, like, and then, and say something like, and you should therefore not be (laughs) like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, that's not the way to go about trying to make that known. Instead, you might make a note on your wedding website of something like, you know, our bridal attendants will be in the following colors if that's helpful for you as you choose, you know, your attire and then let, let people decide which way the help goes in dressing like them or far <laughs> away. Um, but no, I, I do. I really do think that anonymous is dress that it sounds like a, a white cocktail dress that just has a beautiful flowered pattern on it is perfectly appropriate. And I've, I've certainly seen many people of all ages wear something similar to a lot of weddings and be fine. Anonymous, we hope that this answer helps, that we haven't given you too much to think about, and that you enjoy (laughs) the wedding. And finally, we turn the spotlight on the bride's own choice. Exquisite white crepe, lavishly trimmed with lace. What could be more beautiful or more appropriate under her going-away dress for a romantic honeymoon? Dan, I'm going to quiz you with this next one. It's titled Bachelorette Budget. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. New listener here and loving the podcast so far. A month ago, I was asked to be a personal attendant for my high school friend's wedding in July. And of course I said yes, as I love weddings and helping out my friends. Her sister is the maid of honor, and I have met her briefly in the past. This past week, her sister began sending out details for the bachelorette party on May 13th. She had shared with us two ideas prior, but nothing concrete. This week, she sends out details on the boat cruise she had planned without including the cost. I inquired about the cost, and she provided it, adding that she could make accommodations or shift plans if this option was too expensive. As I am in three weddings this year and invited to five, my budget is tight. I sent her a message saying that I was not comfortable with the cost and that maybe the second idea she had originally suggested would be more affordable for me, as well as would be more time flexible for two of the other party members who have late shifts at the hospital. The bride's sister then advised me that I could reach out to her or the bride's mom if I needed to subsidize the bachelorette party, which I am also uncomfortable doing. The bride is the most understanding person in the world, and I know she would not be upset if I declined the invitation. How do I decline the invitation to the bachelorette party without offending the bride's sister or her mother? Thank you, Anonymous. Oh, Anonymous, this is a tough situation. And before we get into it, I just want to say welcome to the show. It's so good to hear from a new listener. I'm so glad that you found us. I know. (laughs) So, Lizzie Post, you chose to quiz me with a tough one. I know. This is a tough one. 
I'm going to start off with the place I often start off with when I'm faced with something that feels awkward or difficult for me. And I think about what my bottom lines are. And for me, the the absolute bottom line here is that um, you can't participate in things that you can't afford. It's not good for you and it's not good for the other people. Mm -hmm. And if that ends up being the situation here, it is okay for you to decline because you can't afford it. In fact, it's it's important that you do that, that you don't take on more than you can afford um, and that you do that as well as you possibly can, having already indicated that you'd like to be a part of it. And to me, the how of that is really important if that's the route that it goes. And that means that you do it as soon as possible um, and that you do it with an acknowledgement that you uh, wish you didn't have to, that it is because it's a, a cost question for you. Mm-hmm. And that you're sorry that you can't participate and that you have to back out at this point. And I think to me, that's the the foundation that I like to stand on, knowing that if I can't work out something else, that's what's required of me and I will mm-hmm. do it the best I can. Mm-hmm. How am I doing so far? Cause... Well, you're doing really good with our standard answer, but this one has a funky twist. Anonymous well, I is... Yeah, right? thinking about this too, yeah. <laughs> so our question asker has done... The good thing, right, of reaching back out and saying, this would be tough for me. Can we lean into some of those accommodations or adjustments that you that you mentioned? But the response back isn't, "Okay, we'll make the adjustments and not do the boat cruise. It's instead, it seems like the bride's sister leans more into we could help accommodate you when she says you could reach out to her. And the way I read this was that you could reach out to her and then there's a slash, the bride's mom. So you could either reach out to me, the sister, or my mother, the bride's mom, if you need to subsidize the bachelorette party. On the one hand, I'm like going, come on, sister. Like, like our question asker has already said that she can't afford this. Like, don't make her make another ask of having to say she can't afford it, you know, by reaching out. And I think if that... Part of the subsidizing is coming from the sister, which is how I had read this. Then I think just I, at least listener, would feel comfortable leaning into it and saying, boy, you know, if you really if you really can help subsidize it, that would be great. You know, I've got these other weddings and everything and it's just been so tough and I would love to be there. But but if you can, that would be great. And just lean into that. I would have a harder time restarting a new conversation about subsidizing it from the mother. You know what I mean? It's like, to me, the way it was all set up for our listener, it felt like there was this like second round of having to announce, I can't afford this. Can you help me out? Which I, I can understand not feeling that comfortable doing that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. In fact, the ask to ask again feels so awkward to me. I couldn't even read it as that. I, I, I read <laughs> I read the slash between the her and bride's mother as and. As or as, to as or, yeah. yeah. Because just the idea that I would say to someone, I really can't afford this. Could we go with the other option? They're like, oh, no, this is what we're doing. And if you want me to help, ask me again. Or it's ask so my mom. ludicrous. <laughs> like, yeah. that, but, but whereas I could understand the ask my mom. Ask like my else, and like the bride's mom. Because she's step. the one who's. frankly going to subsidize me in this whole thing or whatever and just i don't want to ask her for you or you know her well enough you could ask her i mean to me that's a it's still a really awkward request to get from someone who's organizing a party yeah i wouldn't feel comfortable doing that 
necessarily. And I would have to say that to, I think, the sister. I would say, I, I really can't afford this, and I, and I don't feel comfortable calling so-and-so to ask for that. So I'm going to have to decline. Yeah. If that was what it was. And if it was the other, if it was you, you have to ask me again or me and the mother <laughs> again, so strange. I would yeah. – I, I think I would bite my lip and I'd ask again. Yeah. <laughs> because there's no way that I can correct that in her. Correct. No, you're right. You, you ex- Right. And my participation is dependent on responding with as much grace and poise as I possibly can to a really awkward request. No, I think you're right. And the very simple language of, you know, oh, I wouldn't feel comfortable accepting financial help for this. So I'm, I I will have to respectfully decline is, is totally perfectly fine from an etiquette standpoint. But I, I just I can't leave this question, Dan, without encouraging our listener to lean into that sister's offer of help. I can picture being the sister and I would have been, I would have been more clear. I would have made it easier on the listener. But I honestly think the sister's really excited about what she's planned and she kind of wants to get you all there no matter what. And it sounds to me like she's saying, we can help, we can make this work. But it sounds like her first offer of let's change the plan if it's not working maybe wasn't quite as genuine or maybe came at a time when plans weren't as set in motion as kind of what she's now advising you to do, which is, oh, if you if you can't afford it, just like reach out to us, uh, you know, call my mom. It'll be fine. She'll subsidize it. I would also have been the person to say, oh, you know what? My mom offered to help for for folks who weren't going to be able to afford it. And so let me just I'll talk to her about it. And don't worry, but definitely come, you know, like I wish that Lizzie Post, I so wish act- you were organizing this party. <laughs> I, like, I wish that's what this other person had done for you, dear listener. I also love the spirit that you're thinking yeah. about this in. I think it is so, so important for striking the right tone moving forward. Anonymous. No matter how this works out, we do have confidence that it can work out well, and we hope you have a fabulous time at this wedding and all the other weddings that you are attending and helping out with this summer. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. <laughs> Is that really how the song goes, Cuz? <laughs> I don't think exactly, but it'll, it'll serve our purposes today. <laughs> wonderful to be a bride again. Our next question is about vaccine verification. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you so much for all the advice you've given to those trying to plan safe and celebratory weddings during a pandemic. With guidelines constantly changing, it can feel like a moving target. That being said, my fiancé and I are going forward with our wedding late this summer. We need to know the vaccination status of our guests if we want to invite everyone. Where we live, fully vaccinated persons do not count toward capacity constraints, meaning a 10-person limit is only for unvaccinated guests. We would also need people to bring vaccination proof or a negative test. I do think 95% will be, but we are required to verify. What do you think is the most courteous way to communicate these expectations to our guests and obtain this information? One idea I had was to include an extra enclosure card with a neatly worded memo prompting them to let us know their status, explaining the current regulations in our city, and that knowing who is vaccinated will allow us to celebrate with everyone we love while also ensuring everyone's safety and demonstrate to our venue that we are in compliance. Another idea was to put this information on our wedding website so that it could be updated if regulations change. 
One friend suggested an efficient way would be to ask an additional question with the online RSVP. Another suggested that we should do all these things and that over-communication in this case is probably prudent. <laughs> My parents feel that it would be better to reach out to every guest individually. They feel that some people may be offended by the question mm. or feel that if they aren't vaccinated for whatever reason, they are unwelcome to attend or that fixating on the rules will inhibit the joy of the celebrating. This is obviously a more time-consuming approach. In any case, we think people will feel most comfortable when they know what to expect, but we want to balance the logistical necessities and preserve the feeling that these are welcomed and cherished guests. I understand this is a difficult and complicated question, but I appreciate any thoughts you might have. Thank you so much, Anonymous. Oh, Anonymous, it is a complicated question, but I actually don't think it's that difficult. I feel, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like this is a do them all answer. Like, this is a, like, I think you should call folks, especially the folks who, who might have a harder time understanding this or who might feel a little uncertain if they just received the enclosure, if they just saw the, the thing on the wedding website or the RSVP added question. I think calling first allows for folks to understand there's something extra in this wedding, you know, invitation with enclosures that's coming that is different because of the year and the regulations we're under. And I think that that's worthwhile. It'll it'll soften the impact of of the written thing being the first way that people hear about this. And you can use all of your beautiful tone and and words to convey to them what you really want to convey, which is we want you to come, and even if you're unvaccinated, like, there's a certain amount of people we can have that are unvaccinated. Like, you know, there's there's ways to work within this a little bit. I think what is hard is is if you end up in that situation where the maximum amount of unvaccinated people is beyond, like, if, if your guest list has more unvaccinated people than can be allowed at the venue. And that I think is the one that's the one place where I see a, a like a, a, a crux happening, an issue happening. But I, I love the idea of the extra question on the RSVP. I love the idea of putting it on the wedding website. I love the idea of putting a separate enclosure, not on the invitation, a separate enclosure with the invitation that explains clearly the parameters that you're working around that expresses how much you want everyone to be able to be there and be there safely so that you can all focus, as Dan said, on the celebrating. I loved that line, cuz. Mm -hmm. um, but I think doing everything would really, really help. And I think that those, those phone calls, letting people know that this is one of the restrictions or measures that you're up against as you try to organize this beautiful, cherished event would help. I think it would help soften the blow. It's not a blow. I shouldn't describe it as a blow because it should soften the, the unexpected enclosure. <laughs> I, I, I'm hearing my mother's voice. No, and really? <laughs> Cindy post-sending had been listening to an episode of this podcast where we were talking about asking people about vaccination status. Mm -hmm. And she felt compelled to leave her house and walk up the hill all 500 feet to my <laughs> front door where we were exchanging some mail or something. But – she offered the thought that um, from her perspective, from a traditional etiquette perspective, people's uh, health information was always considered some of the most private information mm -hmm. that um, it is protected by privacy laws. And she just wanted to emphasize to me how different 
the advice that it was okay to ask people about a health condition was mm-hmm. than the advice that Emily Post, or the Emily Post Institute would have given even three years ago, two years, yeah. 16 months ago. And we had a really good discussion where I talked with her about the reality on the ground now and public health and mm-hmm. the heart of etiquette being about what's practical and what's possible. And Mm -hmm. when you have something like a venue that has a hard limit on participation, depending on the vaccination status of guests, that's a hard limit. Mm -hmm. It's something that you can communicate to someone else, but you can't change it. Mm -hmm. And it it becomes the, the ground that we're operating on. And like you, I think that it's a really good idea in a time and place where we do have to make that big a change that you make every effort that you possibly can, that the how you do it becomes so important. And like you, I liked every one of these options and they get better and better as you stack them up, mm-hmm. that you get that personal contact, that you have the option to change the information online. If conditions change, that that printout that someone gets is something they can hold on to. If they're not a big wedding website user, yep. <laughs> if they hold on to that invitation and that becomes their connection to the event. Um, like you, I, I think this is one of those cases where it, it's probably worth that effort. And all of the efforts that I hear described, frankly, sound really good. I think so, too. I think so, too. I think it's also not a bad idea, especially on the wedding website and on the the well-worded, um, well-worded enclosure to also state clearly what fully vaccinated is. Is that one shot? Is that two shots? Is it if it's the J&J vaccine? Is it just the one shot done? And then the two weeks after, you know, like, is it the the period after? Like, really make sure that you're clear about what's considered fully vaccinated, even though a, a lot of states are making it really clear what is and what isn't. I think people can sometimes get confused of like, oh, well, I've had one shot, so I must be pretty good. And I think you just want to be clear about what you mean by fully vaccinated when you're saying it. Lizzie Post, before we leave this question, there are two pieces of housekeeping I have to do. One (laughs) is I I have to give you huge etiquette props for looking down the road and seeing the potential hiccup that might occur if your percentages were out of line, if your guest percentages were out of line. And I, I was trying to think of a way to solve it as you were describing it. And I ended up thinking to myself, maybe that's a question for a different show that (laughs) You know, you could anticipate that being a potential problem, but that's another one of those, these are hard conditions and we'll deal with it if we have to, like so many things in this pandemic. Yeah. No, that would be, if you ran up against that, it would be a, that that's a, we're going to have to deal with this in the moment and try and figure this out. But it's, it's why I have been so frustrated with the fact that weddings going on. I just, I I just feel for couples and families who are throwing these fabulous, wonderful events. And in the, I mean, remember in the start of the pandemic, when we were just like, we were all so sympathizing and had so much compassion for the folks who had been planning these weddings for forever, who had just gotten into it and then find they can't throw this wedding and they don't even know when they're going to be able to throw it. And I've, I've watched friends have very unsatisfying experiences with it and and just they they feel so lost at what is supposed to be such a traditional and good and fun and wonderful celebratory time in life and i think that this you know having to throw this at at couples who have all been dealing with this postponement or these changes or these cancellations for the past 16 months is just it's it's another thing that i just i wish i could oh here we go Ah. wave my magic wand my magic etiquette wand 
and just make you not have to deal with this because trying to figure out from your guest list what percentage might be your unvaccinated percentage that would be allowed to come is just that's a nightmare and it puts you in a really, really difficult situation. And so I just from an etiquette standpoint, we're going to say straight up, this is really hard and this will take some some dancing around and, and it's 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 a really hard situation. So we're we're sympathizing with how difficult it is. But with that, Anonymous, we certainly hope that you are able to execute all these wonderful plans and that the numbers work out and that you can have a fabulous, fabulous wedding this summer. Your child or any member of your family eligible for vaccine in your community should be vaccinated now. Vaccination now will save lives from death or paralysis this year. Make use of increasing supplies of vaccine. Help your child grow up strong and straight. Our next question is titled Meandering Mother-in-Law. And because I am definitely going to be tossing this one to you, not because you have a meandering mother-in-law, but because... You have a mother-in-law, and I figure you can relate. The question begins. Dear Dan and Lizzie, long-time listener, love the show. I have a question I would love your thoughts on. Whenever my mother-in-law visits, she snoops around my home. Think opening cupboards, peeking inside drawers, opening closets for no reason. Examples? I once found her looking through a linen closet. When I asked her if she needed something, she said she was just interested in how it was organized. Early in her marriage, she asked me if I would like her to organize my Tupperware drawer. It was a mess, and I was mortified. I thanked her and said I would get to it at a later date. She once walked into the kitchen and asked how long I'd been using Tide laundry detergent. My detergent items are kept in a closed wall cabinet. Besides this issue, my mother-in-law is great. I have been in the family for almost 20 years. I love her and want her to feel welcome in our home. It is also important to note that she does not visit often. We live far away and we see them only once a year on average. I have always dealt with this issue by gearing up a few weeks before she visits and giving each cabinet a once-over, cleaning linen closets, etc. before she comes. It's kind of a spring cleaning of sorts, as I know the state of my home will be viewed and inspected and likely discussed with my sister-in-laws. After so many years, a full house of kids, and basically feeling too tired to face a deep clean in the next few weeks before her next visit, I am wondering if there is a polite way to ask her not to snoop in my cabinets and drawers while she's here. I want to be polite and respectful, but I just don't feel up to facing the job of spring cleaning with so much going on right now. My husband has suggested that I should just not worry about this. Quote, who cares what she thinks about our cabinets? Our house is perfect the way it is. Unquote approach. But I do care. I am not sure why it matters, but it does. Where is the balance? Can I say something without causing a bigger issue? Thanks. Anonymous. We've had a lot of anonymous today. <laughs> I feel like I should point that out. <laughs> Probably for a lot of good reasons. But cuz you have a mother-in-law, is this over snooping, under snooping? What do you what do you think? <laughs> okay, first just off the bat because she's been referenced, Alka my mother-in-law is awesome. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> um she is definitely very active around my house when she comes and I love it. And <laughs> when I read about the organizing of the Tupperware drawer, I uh, it brought a smile to my face because 
I always enjoy the state of our kitchen after Alka's been through. <laughs> <laughs> the Tupperware drawer is neat and tidy and everything is nested properly and the bulk stuff has all been moved into the right canisters, into the cabinets and – um, it's something she really enjoys. She got us a spike, ra- a spice rack, a revolving spice rack that completely transformed one cabinet in our kitchen one visit. <laughs> I also watch her daughters not be quite as enthusiastic about her level of participation sometimes. She mm. often comes with offers of help that to me just seem awesome. And I think sometimes they feel like a comment or like an intrusion to – to some of her daughters in ways that it just doesn't feel to me. So I, I understand how the same thing can feel different ways depending on on who you are and what your relationship is to the person who's doing them. I totally get that. When I I, I don't have a mother-in-law, but when my mom comes, uh, or at least she used to do this, she doesn't do it anymore, but she used to like grab the broom and just start sweeping my kitchen when the visit was not at all in related to that (laughs) like and it wasn't also a visit where you would come and like hang out like often she and my dad will stop by to like check out a project that needs work on the house or something like that and then all of a sudden I see her kind of like tidying something and it would drive me nuts I wonder if part of it is also that like maybe in your case Dan the sisters want to or the daughter wants to focus on the visit with the mom and not spend that time cleaning and reorganize. You know, it's like, I mean, and I'm with Dan. I'm often in the, in, if it's someone else's mom, I'm often like, please help me. Or if we've scheduled the help, I feel a lot better about it being help that I'm leaning into as opposed to a comment on me not being able to or not being good enough to make my house this way on my own. I never feel bad about it when I ask my mom if she'll come help me with some gardening or getting the yard in a certain way or painting or something like that, right? But for some reason, if she tries to to do something when that's like not the purpose of the visit, then I get I get like out of, yeah, I get a little out of sorts about it. I'm like, well, why why are you focused on that right now? I want you to be focused on being here for this reason, you know. Luckily for me, as my mom's gotten older, she keeps telling me, I can't, I can't, like, I started warning her. I'm like, listen, mom, I know you're coming over this afternoon to do the whatever. The house is not in its cleanest state. Like, please don't try to sweep or vacuum or do anything. And she has now started saying to me, Dan, I can't even see the dirt anymore, Lizzie, so I'm not going to (laughs) try. I'm like, yes, this is better. But what do you think our listener could do? Because this is this is a little bit like you're coming, you are coming for a visit. And obviously, as a host, you want your guests to feel comfortable in your home. You don't yeah. want them to be distracted by mess, you know, and, yeah. or to feel like they can't stay here. What do you think? As I'm reading the question, I'm seeing that level of awareness that usually yeah. I deal with this by making a little bit of an effort. I find some middle ground. I take advantage of the visit to do my spring cleaning. I think that's mm-hmm. obviously a, a tactic. And as a considerate host, I think it's a wise move. The particular etiquette point that I really focus on in this question where I think the biggest issue comes up is the question around privacy. And if we want to review sort of fundamental etiquette, I think it's oftentimes a good 
um, place to go when we're dealing with a difficult question. Mm-hmm. There is some some really important fundamental etiquette around respecting people's privacy. That when you're a guest in someone's home, you respect closed doors. You stay out of medicine cabinets. You stay out of uh, bedrooms closets. that aren't yours. <laughs> closets that have closed doors that you haven't been told. Use this linen closet when you're taking a shower. That um that snooping around someone's home is really bad etiquette. It's not good it form is. and. I because it is such bad etiquette, I think it's really hard to correct it as a behavior in someone else without pointing it out. I think that yeah. the, the back and forth of the relationship here and the cost benefit around one visit a year puts me in the on the you know if if the, if the needle's pointing up and it could fall to either side, I'm falling to the side of I'm not going to try to correct this behavior in her or tell her how unsettling it is for me. I'm, I'm going to try to manage my response to it. I'm going to say to myself that it's not good behavior and it's not something I'm likely to be able to correct in my mother-in-law. I'm going to take a little bit of that spirit that my husband is offering, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is I, I feel from him the the offer that don't worry about my mother about me reflecting my mother's opinions on you, that, that I'm here with you, that I'm comfortable in our yeah, house. I like our house. <laughs> and, I loved his line of, our house is perfect the way it is. I just I loved that. <laughs> and he even says, who cares what she thinks? I think really to <laughs> indicate that he is on, on your side and that he's not that worried about it. And I don't think he really means nobody cares what his mother thinks. I think you both obviously (laughs) care what his mother thinks. And and that comes through in your your whole approach and your whole thinking about this situation. I don't think that's going to get lost at all. I want to take a minute to acknowledge that Anonymous has said that even though she loves the support of her husband, who who says, you know, don't don't care about what my mother thinks, like what we just said, you know, our house is perfect the way it is, that to her, it is mattering. And it for me that's uh it's really tough because my natural inclination is is much like dan i, w- I want to jump into this space of, of 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 dan and the husband where it's just you know okay we aren't we aren't gonna worry about it like yay for the help embrace lean in and if that's not something that feels feels good i think there are some things you could do but i'm with my cousin here the the behavior she's exhibiting isn't great behavior. And if you point it out to her, that is I, I'm I'm totally with you, cuz. I don't think that's gonna be polite. You know what I mean? Um, but I do think uh doing the things that you have been doing are actually good things. If you you know ahead of time that you're not gonna be able to to do the type of cleaning you normally do, that might even be something that you bring up with her say, you know, I, I usually try to get the house in really great shape before you show up. Unfortunately, this year with COVID and with everything going on, it's it's not in the state I, I wish it could be for our visit, but I really want to focus on having a great visit with you and enjoying our time together this year because this year in particular, it's so precious. And that might be a way to just acknowledge with kind of like a blanket statement that the house might not be perfect and and just put that out there ahead of it rather than having her come and start kind of noticing all the imperfections. I'm not sure it'll stop her entirely. So that would be that would be my ta- tactic is to come kind of almost like ra- raise the white flag from the beginning of the visit on this time. 
Um, and then in the future, I would keep doing the things that you're doing. Like when she says the Tupperware is a mess, you could say, yeah, I'll get to that later. And then I would add that line in about, I'm just so excited to focus on you being here right now. You know, let's let's go enjoy some tea in the garden or something, you know, whatever it is. But get her focused more on being that guest in your life, in your home, and, and just keep redirecting her to that guest role of, oh, don't worry about it. We'd be happy to do this. I, I also have to say, Dan, I just think it's hard for moms to not want to try to help or do something. Like, I think that's the, the impression I get from your mother-in-law, from my mother from other mothers I've experienced in other ways and from the sound of this mother. I don't know her, so I can't say for sure, but give people the grain of salt. Look look to the better side of things as best you can. Look to the good intention wherever you can. It sounds like this is someone who who wants to help or is curious too. I think I think parents have a hard time not being curious about how their kids are living, you know, even when they're adults. Anonymous, we really hope this answer catches you in time and that it's some help before the visit. I do think, in this case, that ounce of prevention that Lizzie's talking about might be worth a pound of cure. But on another potential source of trouble, in-laws. When we first planned to move into that two-family house, I thought of all those mother-in-law jokes. Still, they couldn't apply to nice people like us. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Anne on The Bachelorette Backout. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. While listening to this episode about the sister-in-law that wants to back out of hosting a bachelorette party for her sister-in-law, I thought of two other options. One, tell her you are happy to host, but that due to your nervousness regarding COVID, you're wondering would she consider reducing the number of guests? if they haven't already invited guests. Two, ask that everyone be vaccinated. Hopefully, there is still enough time for this. I love your show. I'm a fellow Vermonter, too. Best, Anne. Anne, it's so great to hear from a neighbor. Thank you so much for those added suggestions to that very tricky question about The Bachelorette back out. You know, Lizzie Bost, I was really curious that the option of asking people if they're vaccinated is now popping up as an official alternative mm -hmm. way to solve some of these problems. It is. It is. And thank you for your feedback. And thank you for sending your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about etiquette and ethics? Because lay it on me. What have you got planned for us? Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It's not too deep a dive. <laughs> and you started this, just so you know. I did not. Don't don't even dare put it on me. <laughs> you absolutely started this. I'm the hesitant you... one. <laughs> but you went and assembled a bunch of really good Emily Post quotes for us to share through social media. Uh-huh. And... The task of distributing those quotes over the calendar fell to me. And as I was doing it, I was reading these quotes that I hadn't selected. So mm-hmm. as I'm reading the words of Emily Post, they're working on me the way I imagine you intended them to work as little <laughs> uh, moments of inspiration that get the brain going, right? It, uh, oh, wait a second. So are you saying that this is going to be based off of either the Gandalf or the Taylor Swift quote that I threw in there? <laughs> no, but the Gandalf oh. <laughs> quote was maybe my favorite one. It's a good one. It's a good one. Folks, keep an eye out on our social media channels. All right. But anyway, we digress. The the, the particular Emily Bose quote, though, that was the origin or the inspiration for this postscript was one about ethics. Mm. And Emily was saying something like, if, if etiquette is to be of more than trifling use, it must also include ethics. Mm-hmm. And... I like that idea. It made me think about our idea that etiquette is a combination of manners and principles. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, what exactly did Emily mean by ethics? And I mean, I, I have a general idea of what ethics are. But when I really asked myself, I didn't know specifically how to define the word. So I went mm-hmm. to look it up. And so the definition for ethics was rooted in this idea of moral principles. So I said to myself, boy, that sounds really similar to our idea of (laughs) principles and manners combining to make etiquette. But whoa, whoa, whoa. You just used the word moral in there. And I I, like moral gets my, I I don't know, it like both, it both makes me feel about like uh, things I might feel really strongly about. And in my own, in my own inner self, um, you know, uh, use proudly as like a guide. And at the same time, morality, I feel immediate judgment. I think the scarlet letter, I think just ways that, that people have been oppressed. I mean, I, I like the idea of, you know, don't kill each other, but it immediately makes me feel judgment and, and, and just like, judgment, cuz get me out of this zone because you're finding it useful for an etiquette definition. Well, as is so often the case, these these are big ideas, big concepts. So really understanding clearly what we're talking about when we're talking about ethics, principles, moral principles isn't easy. That's one of the reasons I, I got into these definitions, definitions. and wanted to share it. <laughs> Dan and I are big fans of looking things up in multiple dictionaries, just so you know. <laughs> so – What is it about the word moral principles that brings up a response that, like you say, maybe has that clench to it as opposed to the way we often talk about principles on this show where I know you love the idea that we are considerate and respectful and honest. (laughs) I love a good principle. But yeah, that word moral, you think of all all kinds of different things. So I'm going to take a chance here Mm -hmm. and – you and I operate – obviously, we, we grew up in Vermont and we live and work in Vermont. And I think for us, oftentimes, there's a uh, a New England culture that we're a part of yep. and a puritanical approach to moral <laughs> principles I think could be really severe and, and, and often was. Like the, the whole idea of moral principles within – where that judgment's coming from in my head. <laughs> Puritanism is, is a big deal yeah. and – 
um, more broadly, the idea of morals as sets of rights and wrongs or just ideas about what is fundamentally right and wrong for us. So mm-hmm. maybe divorcing it from a little bit of that puritanical severity, but <laughs> holding on to... Thank you. No, you're getting me to the right space to be able to absorb this. You're getting me there. Thank you. <laughs> sure. The idea that there's a code of conduct or a, a standard of principles that we collectively agree upon as defining what's right and wrong. That's what you've found as a definition for moral principles, is like a, a collective community version of it. Essentially. Nice. That, we, we can get behind that. <laughs> I, I think so. And and this is where the, the for me as someone who works in the world of etiquette and teaches etiquette a lot or writes about etiquette a lot – so often we talk about manners as being derived from principles or being based on principles, sort mm-hmm. of in our etiquette formula, the one that we share at the Emily Post Institute. And in a lot of the definitions that I was looking at, I was also seeing that oftentimes people describe principles as emerging from communities. And the idea that it would be possible for the relationship between manners and principles to not always be derivative in one direction led by the principles yeah exactly yeah like i mean because we often talk about it like the principles when you don't know the manner you can fall back on the principles right and that would kind of make it seem like they're your catch-all uh but Mm -hmm. you've you've found this way of of where it's the the manners that might actually help you to then define the principles yeah Yes, <laughs> more simply. And it's it's a complex thought or the idea that maybe manners could be generative in some way that by assuming the behaviors, you might engender the feelings or the thoughts or the ideals. But, so maybe um, writing a thank you mo- note might make you feel the gratitude. <laughs> I, we talk about this, right? And and just sort of maybe being a little more explicit about the the way that that yeah that creative relationship could operate in either direction, perhaps between manners and principles. You know, because I've been trying to lose my pandemic weight, and you're making me remember that there's another way to handle kind of reentry into society, and that is to flex my manners muscles. And to remember Ooh. that those manners muscles are there. They're things I can I can count on. And and when I might be a little bit confused about where the respect is or where the respect and the consideration are in relation to how I feel in a moment, which I think is mm. going to be something really true for a lot of us in the next three or four months, that just leaning on those classic manners might really help me get through moments that could feel more awkward than they would have, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. Okay, I am just so happy and delighted that out of my just very bizarre <laughs> theory thought, you found some practical <laughs> etiquette advice that you could give and take yourself. Lizzie Bose, you are a master. You'll have to know, like, before before this segment, I was sitting here going, morals, Dan, I don't know, morals, this feels big, this feels big, what do we do, what do we do? You got me there, cuz, you got me there, you got me to the applicable everyday moment with it. <laughs> Lizzie Post, I say it with a smile on my face, but I'm also serious. I think you've found a, a really good takeaway here. And whether it was Emily talking about etiquette and ethics, or whether it's you and me today talking about manners and principles, I think the idea that fundamentally for this material to work, it has to be substantive. 
mm-hmm. and that you might be able to find that substance in the details in the same way that you could elucidate the details from a deep understanding of the substance. I like it. I, I like it. I like that kind of balance because <laughs> thank you so much for for finding inspiration from those quotes and for, for bringing this one to a head. It's always been one I've known about and not really wanted to enter too far in because of my, my squeamishness in, in morals and, you know, individuality and things like that. But by the way, I'm not squeamish about individuality, but <laughs> it's more so how morals might imp- impact someone's individuality. Um, but this, this really placed it into something that I could wrap my brain around uh, sort of more concretely. I I really appreciate it. It was a good dive, cuz. Good dive. That ever happens, I want to be ready. I want to be ready physically, mentally, morally, and spiritually. I want every chance to win. How about you? We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from David. Dear Lizzie, Dan, and team, thanks as always for your wonderful podcast and positive guidance. I hope you all progress with your vaccinations as quickly and easily as possible. All done! I know, Dan's done. I'm next week. I have an item for the etiquette magic wand and a salute. My etiquette magic wand would be removing our bias against others' intrinsic outward differences when we decide how to treat others. So many times, age... Skin color, clothing, or physical appearance can influence what we think of others and then affects how we treat them. If we look past those differences, we'd be more polite. Here's my etiquette salute. My employment allowed me to be vaccinated against COVID at a New York State-run site. It's extremely busy. As soon as you get near the site, there are proactive, friendly people offering help on where to park and where to go. There are several checkpoints, and without exception, everyone is kind and patient. This is a frightening experience for some people for many reasons, and the good-natured, knowledgeable people executing it made the experience incredibly pleasant. Now that I've had both shots, yay, I'd like to offer a shout-out to all of the great people at the New York State Vaccine Location in Johnson City, New York. Thank you for all you do, and be safe. Best, David. David, thank you so much for this feedback and this salute. I love your etiquette magic wand uh, wish, and um, I also love your salute. All those people that are getting vaccines into people's arms are doing heroic work, and they're doing it with a smile on their face while I can't even imagine the full – pageant of emotions that they encounter as they do that job and it's really kind of you to point that out thank you for this salute and thank you for listening and thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on patreon please connect with us and share this show with friends family and coworkers, and on social media you can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. 
You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget.